0: Log Talk Radio. Radio. <laughs> yeah, now those other stations out there, they always got something to say. <laughs> sure. but uh, not this station right here. We don't just got something to say, y'all. We got the truth.
1: Welcome Truth Seekers, you're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com and I'm your host Michael Fordham. If you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. Here's the number, 347-326-9470 or if you like you can tweet your questions and comments at A Measure of Truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Ford, and with a photo of me in studio. And you can always email me your questions and comments at measureoftruth at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, like, and repost us on Facebook and Twitter. Look, we've got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after Building healthy relationships is a beautiful and rewarding challenge. A beautiful challenge provides you with practical strategies and inspiration needed to strengthen all of your relationships, learn to communicate more effectively, resolve conflicts more peacefully, and create a positive atmosphere where your relationships can thrive. Michael T. Brown, counselor, educator, inspirational speaker, and owner of Brown's Leadership Consulting, LLC. Michael has a proven track record of success in helping individuals and families reach their personal and professional goals. Michael believes that authentic change and empowerment comes when we invest in people and partner for success. Michael T. Brown, welcome back to A Measure of Truth.
2: Thank you, Michael. It's great to be with you again.
1: Man, it's good to have you back, Mike. It has been a while.
2: <laughs> it's been a while, but I am certainly excited to be able to share again. and uh feels like old times already.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you have come a long way since Born to Achieve. I think that's the first time we had you on the show way, way back then. And um, now you have seemed to have um, stepped up your game a little bit. And I, I don't know how to put this, but... There seems to be more of the mic that I like in this new book.
2: (laughs) Well, that's that's definitely high praise coming from you. And, um, you know, this book really uh, was a challenge for me in that I had to strike a healthy balance of being encouraging, but at the same time being practical uh, and help people to really, you know, um, grow personally so that way their relationships can grow.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and you have a, a great way in this book sharing that information, again, without making it feel like you're you're really correcting or, you know, pointing out things that are wrong with people, but you, you really sort of focus on the mechanics of how things are going wrong. And I think that's real important now with the way we have started communicating and, you know, text and things like that have broken yeah. down some of the um, – the the real critical elements that we had learned in our youth of how to communicate.
2: That's right. You know, I was thinking even earlier today with uh, the increase of social media, how in many ways it's created a malaise in that we think we're more connected to people, but in a lot of ways it's caused us to disconnect. You know, we can mm-hmm. show people our, our best sides of ourselves and hope that they comment or they like And then sometimes we just kind of go back into our own way of doing things. And I'm glad you talked about, you know, the strategy piece of it, because what I've noticed after over 16 years of counseling, whether it's been in, you know, working in the school setting, home-based setting, and now, you know, in my own private practice, um, I'm noticing oftentimes it's not a lack of will, you know. Um, The desire is to communicate more effectively and to want to connect better with people, but oftentimes it's a lack of skill. You know, when it's time to go into strategy mode, is oftentimes where, you know, the gain is made. And that's what we really wanted to focus on in this book, practical strategies that can help people connect better uh, from a communication standpoint.
1: You know, and in reading this book, um, the message is so clear. It's even people who thought that they were reading this for someone else really realized that, you know, there are a lot of – things that they can learn from this book as well and things that they may be doing wrong or are not really thinking through properly is in the way that they communicate with people.
2: Yeah, and and oftentimes, you know, the key ingredients to the communication is, well, I put it like this, you know, oftentimes when I'm working with couples, I ask a key question, and that is, you know, how do you define a win for your relationship? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, is winning you getting all of your way? or is winning uh, coming to a place of compromise. You know, there's no feeling, Mike, like knowing that you've been heard and you've been understood. You know, we can agree, and sometimes agree to disagree, but it's a powerful thing that happens when both people can leave the room saying, you know what, I said my piece, Uh, I've done what I need to do as far as communicating effectively, and then allow the other person to also be able to say the same. And I think that is so critical to relational growth is the, billing, the ability for people to know that they've been heard and that they're understood. You know, I've heard that. Maybe you've heard it as well. You know, uh, seek first to be un- seek first to understand, then to be understood. And sometimes right. there's a there's a struggle of which one is going to go first. And I say mm-hmm. seek first to understand, then be understood. You'll get your chance to talk, but but that empathy piece of seeing where the other person is coming from will allow the other person to now move with strategy not just emotion
1: mm-hmm. right right and that brings me to one of my first probing questions i had for you and something that i think that um you you really define very well within the book and you sort of shift onto this gear and you stay there through a number of different topics, but that's emotional intelligence, and, and yeah. sort of define that for everyone so they can really understand what that means and how important it is in, in communication.
2: Yeah, we've all we've, we've all probably heard of IQ, right, in, um, our intelligence quotient, but EQ deals with our emotional intelligence and our ability to be able to manage our emotions and to be able to um, try to see where the other person's coming from will help us get to where we need to get, you know, within a conversation. Um, Think about it. How many times have we been in a conversation and then we realize, man, this thing has gone off the track. This thing is, you know, not getting us where we need to get. The emotionally intelligent person understands their triggers, understands Mm -hmm. their hot buttons, and they've built strategy in, oftentimes before even coming into the conversation. So think about it from a workplace standpoint. Say you're having a problem on the job with someone or with a supervisor, and you're observant enough to know, you know, their patterns and their tendencies. Maybe it is they have a tendency to cut people off, right, (laughs) or to try to make themselves look bigger than who they really are. The emotionally intelligent person, Mike, says, coming in before we even have the conversation, I pretty much know what to expect. So now I can build strategy right. around it and get to where we need to get. So mm-hmm. it's that whole ability to be able to, you know, manage our emotions, to be observant, and then to move into the strategy phase.
1: No, that's great. And You know, one of the things I think that um, people have learned from not just social media, even though we see a lot of it on Twitter as well, as we see in, you know, people with interactions, and they feel that it's okay to emotionally overreact. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you see them, reality TV, but in the real world, it has real-world consequences. And let's that's talk right. A on a reality
2: show, it may get you good ratings and maybe earn you some money, but if you do it on the job, it might get you escorted out, right?
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, right, the whole
2: right. idea of us being able to, you know, manage our emotions, and that's really what is at the heart of emotional intelligence in a lot of ways. You know, it's it's being self-aware, being able Mm -hmm. to uh, self-regulate, understanding what motivates people, being empathetic, Mm -hmm. having social skills. You know, you think about it. People want to oftentimes be around folks that are emotionally intelligent because they know what to expect, and there's a confidence that a person just gains. When they know, when they walk into the room, um they're gonna bring positive influence into that place you know they're gonna bring their light with them, if you will, and that's gonna that would help you know eliminate some of the darkness that surrounds so much of us, you know whether we look at it from what we see on t v or you know in any any arena of life you know I just think uh our world benefits the more emotionally intelligent we get.
1: And, you know, let me give some people some real world labels that are often attached to people who are emotionally intelligent, like um, Peacekeeper or someone will call them the mother, you know, Mm -hmm. in the group, you know, and it's something that is respectful that they attribute to someone that they admired as well. But they understand that things will only go so far before this person will step in and try to manage the situation and bring it back on track. And you make ahead. a
2: great point And you think about some of the, the folks that we look up to that, well, let's, let's take a look, for example, you know, during the civil rights movement, I think that's a great portrait of emotional intelligence.
0: Yes. I mean, think about hmm.
2: it. to mm-hmm. fight for civil rights, how you must manage your emotion. You think about Dr. King and, and all of his, his protégés and the, the men and women who, who fought so hard so that we could benefit today. Um, I don't think it was that the civil rights workers didn't want to necessarily fight back if you're being, you know, uh, chased down with dogs or sprayed with water hose, but they had enough sense. They had enough emotional to tell, intelligence to say, okay, how do we win? Yeah. Violence is only going to beget more violence. And think mm. about that from a personal standpoint within our homes and within, and within our jobs. Uh, what's going to win in this situation? Is my getting out of control going to help the situation. Now, ultimately, look, we're not robots here. And I think if you ask most folks, uh, we all got some some moments in our movie script that we would want, you know, deleted out. I can certainly say I've got some, some moments that I'm not proud of. But with that being said, an emotionally intelligent person says, you know what, this can be learned. I can improve in managing my anger. I can improve mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, um, being able to reflectively listen when someone else is speaking. Uh, it's not an incurable disease, if you will, you know. Right. And, and I just think even if somebody who might be out there right now who's listening, Mike, and they're, they're thinking, you know, um, this marriage or this relationship is just too combative. I don't know if it's going to work. And the major premise of the book that I would share with them right now is, you know, before you walk away from that relationship, before you throw in the towel, ask yourself mm. some fundamental questions. Can you change personally? Mm -hmm. Can you make things better by, you know, uh, changing how you operate? In many ways, Mike, it's an inside job. We think, you know, and I've sat with many married couples, and the mindset sometimes is, you know, we'll fix the marriage or fix my partner. And after they've vented and they've shared, and I've given equal time for that, um, at a certain point, you've got to say, well, hold on a second. Can I manage my emotions better? Can I be more loving? Can I be more compassionate? Uh, so I'd say to that person, before you walk away from that relationship, be willing to take on the beautiful challenge of personal growth because I believe mm-hmm. personal growth mm-hmm. leads to relationship growth.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I love and, and the beautiful challenge, and I really got that once I read the book too. You know, when you think about it, someone who has mastered a, a number of these techniques – They are someone who is an attractive person. It's a person that people like and want to be around, you know? And um, the beautiful part is their personality, you know, the type of person that they are, someone you can trust with um, having that difficult conversation. Because That's right, they, and you can't fake it, Mike. Right. That's
2: the thing about it. Yeah. People pick yeah. up on it very quickly. I work in an elementary school. I'm an elementary school counselor. That's my day job. It is interesting, you know. You're going to get the gut reaction from children. Uh, you know, they, they don't know how to fake in many ways. Either they like that teacher or they don't, right?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and right. they're going to tell
2: you about it. And oftentimes, because children have that sense of emotional intelligence and of being able to sift through, you know, uh, the facade, if you will and knows who's really pulling for them and who really wants them to learn. And you touch on something very important. People will, people gravitate to people like that, who they yes. know is going to be a straight shooter with them. They're not going to always get their way, but at least you'll get your say, you know.
0: Mm. And mm-hmm.
2: you, you know what I mean? It's that whole idea of, um, what, we think about it on, in a workplace setting, you know, the supervisor who everybody loves. It's like, you know, oftentimes, you see the culture in there is very positive and energetic because there's that personal connection and they're willing to go above and beyond because they know that that supervisor has their back and, and everybody's wondering, you know, how do I work for them? How do I work with them? When maybe the other person who's too harsh or too judgmental, everybody's trying to figure out how to just stay away from them. Right. You know, it's like, right, right. you know, emotional intelligence is so attractive and, uh, it helps bring out the best in yourself and in others.
1: Yeah. And, and there's a real benefit too to being able to communicate better in that you do get a chance to say what you want to say. You get a chance to get that off your chest, which that's is, right. which is good for you personally as well. You don't have to sort of tuck things away or just, you know, swallow your words, so to speak, because you can't say anything that wouldn't, you know, be hurtful and you can't express yourself in a way that's effective. So you, you just, you say nothing
2: that's right and and to me that ties into you know are you willing to invest in a relationship or divest invest meaning Mm. you know i'm willing to do what it takes to build divest meaning i'm willing to eliminate some things personally that are not helpful and a key component to that for me mike is encouragement um you know you talk about tough conversations it's so important that you mention that because um, healthy relationships, long-lasting relationships, are not inherited. You just don't you just don't mess around and have a great relationship, right? It, you know, interview a couple who's been married for 50 years, and it's not going to be all kumbaya and it's all gravy, right? Oftentimes, they will share with you their struggles, and the fight that they have to have, and the resilience, and the need for forgiveness. And I want to come back to that point you made about, uh, you know, being able to get things off your chest. It's that mindset that says, you know what, guys, or you're saying to your spouse, we're not going to leave this room, sweetheart, until we get this thing straightened out, you know. And and I'm coming in with no knives, no gloves. Let's figure this thing out, and let's do it in a way where we both can get a win. How do we both win, you know, um, because at the end of the day, you know, I think we want to win. And what does a win look like? I think it's when Mm -hmm. the relationship is thriving. And when, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So that, to me, points Mm -hmm. out, you know, what I just pointed out, what I just mentioned, this whole idea of we need to straighten this thing out before we go to bed, right? I might not get all of what I want. You might not get all of what you want. But we can work towards a compromise.
1: Right. And when it's all said and done, everyone wants to be happy and you know, that should be the main objective and um, whatever it takes to get to that point. And if you can take the focus off of being right and, you know, get to the point of peace and harmony in the household, it's something that's worth um, striving for. And and
2: you talk about peace now, that's that's the goal, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk about some of the things you mentioned in the book, um, Sure. You talk about in chapter one about communication blockers. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really good the way you outline these five things that are blockers of communication that keeps us from being able to to communicate effectively the way we would if we did have that emotional intelligence. Let's talk about those.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, the five blockers, one being a skill deficit. And that just points to the fact of, you know, a person may have the desire to want to communicate. They might not have the skills. And we talk in the book about, you know, eye messages and reflective listening and making assertive requests. You know, all of these are um, skills that people can put in their tool belt to be able to communicate more effectively. So we want to definitely uh, build the skills and the assets uh, when it comes to communicating. The second one has to deal with pride, you know, and we Mm -hmm. can probably – that could be a chapter all to itself, right? Yes, you know, are, are we willing to put our pride aside and say, you know what, being right sometimes is greatly overrated, you know. You can be right and be proud and find yourself on the couch or or much worse, out of the house, you know. So the person who's willing to put their ego to the side and say, you know what, I just want to get a win, Let's work. let's work this thing out. The third one, emotional overreaction. And that dealt with what we talked about earlier you know, us being able to manage our emotions and have emotional intelligence around the issue and personal growth and maturity, if you will. The fourth one, absolutes and assumptions. You know, Mm -hmm. absolutes being, you know, when you approach a conversation uh, with with saying, you know, well, you always this and you always that, and you never this and you never that, well, you've kind Mm -hmm. of drawn a line in the sand and the other person's going to probably get defensive and they don't have much wiggle room to to work with you because you say, I never do anything right, you know, right? Or when it comes to assumptions, you know, just assuming that I thought you meant this when that really is not what I meant. And number five, tainted motives. Um, You know, Scripture talks about, you know, uh, that we should guard our hearts, you know, because out of it flows the issues of life. Uh, That, to me, deals with our motives and our intent. You ever been in a conversation, Mike, with somebody you can tell their motives were not quite right? You know,
1: they, they yeah. maybe, maybe set it lot. up
2: that they wanted to have yeah. a conversation with you, but really they just wanted to get to X, Y, Z.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> so I would say when it with that one, making sure our motives are right, making sure that we're not just preparing a response, but we're actually listening to what the other person is, is saying. So these blockers, I think that's a great place to start uh, mm-hmm. to to create the groundwork for a healthy relationship, healthy communication, dealing with those five areas.
1: Right. And, and the great thing about it is these blockers are things that, yeah, we can identify within ourselves, but we can work on them. It's a skill right. to be able to um, eliminate them from our conversations and from our behavior. And uh, the benefits are amazing.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, who couldn't benefit from managing our emotions better, making sure our motives are intact, setting our pride to the side, building the skills that we need. Um, It translates, Mike, well into any type of relationship, personally or professionally.
1: And, you know, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Um to chapter four, where it talks about resilient relationships. Because when you get to a certain point and you you sort of laid the groundwork for better relationships, they, they will be tested. But the work is not done. It can still grow from there through these tests. And, um, you know, you talk about the important things that help you to get through and also identifying what a, a resilient relationship is. So talk about that a little
2: Yeah, no, uh, you you, you raise a a key point in the resilient relationships. I think, you know, oftentimes the difference between an unhealthy relationship and a healthy relationship is resilience. Can you bounce back during those seasons uh, when things aren't necessarily clicking on all cylinders? Can you bounce back after, you know, life happens and maybe there's a Mm -hmm. trauma within the family or uh, the marriage is... is, uh, Is strained, or you have a child who's, you know, acting out. Uh, In many ways, relationships are the gymnasium that God created Mm -hmm. to help us grow. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe it's the. So when I speak to clients, you know, in the office, I say, you know, see this as an office, but I really want you to see this as a gymnasium. This is Mm -hmm. where we work things out. (laughs) This is where you grow, this is where you train. And when you Mm -hmm. leave here, you know, you do the work as far as putting these things into effect. But as far as resilient relationships, I started that particular chapter with a spiritual frame of reference, you know, uh, the love factor. Love God, love others, love self. So I think that in many ways is the blueprint for resilient relationships. When my relationship is intact with God or my creator, and I recognize people have different, you know, beliefs and spiritual beliefs so wherever um faith walk they have um i think that's important to tap into uh love god love others love self so when i'm in right relationship with god i'm in a better position to love myself and love others and i and i'm willing to forgive let go of some things and keep the main thing the main thing Um uh, mm-hmm. Too many marriages, Mike, too many relationships, I believe, are being thrown on the, the trash heap uh, because an unwillingness or an inability to fight through those difficult seasons.
1: Right. right. Uh, you
2: know, it, the, the how much fight do you have in you? I tell married mm-hmm. couples, uh, I'm not a divorce counselor. I'm a marriage counselor. I'm not budging
0: oh, as far as you. my belief.
2: Yeah, I'm not right, you know. Right, and right. You, you know, you can figure out how to get a divorce. That's well, that's the paperwork piece. You can figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The tough part is: can you change? Can you grow? Are you willing to save the marriage or the relationship? And um, a lot of this has been learned. You know, I'm a I'm a resident counselor. I'm working towards my counseling licensure. And uh, some of the classes I've, I've taken over the past, you know, really taps into you know the systematic pr- approach of counseling we just it's interesting mike when i bring couples in i don't just start with tell me what's wrong right <laughs> we do oh, we start yeah. with them get to know you
1: i right, do an right.
2: assessment i find out about you and one of the, i start with strengths it's called strengths based counseling right so i don't assume that just because you're here you you've done all these things wrong right by the time mm-hmm. you get to marital counseling, and I and I encourage people to, to seek counseling, whether it's personally or within your relationship, uh, I assume you want to save the marriage, and I assume you're willing to change. Let's build from there. We'll get mm-hmm. to all the stuff that you want to vent about your partner about. We'll get to that. But let's start with some of the things you've done right. right. So it's amazing, Mike. Encouragement is like fertilizer. When The more you encourage, the more... People can kind of sit, sit up a little more straight in their seat and recognize, hey, look, you know, we didn't just mess around and stay married. We've done some bouncing back. We've been through some things. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's the resilience piece. Yeah. Can you bounce back? Will you bounce back? How much fight do you have in you?
1: And I'm sure a lot of times when you first meet with a married couple, too, they're just looking for you to be that person that can tell that other partner, see, I told you so. Do you hear what he said? You're wrong. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, I I see that that's the piece you really have to get past in the very beginning, and and you just outline how you go about doing that is focusing on them first. And it's
2: systematic in a way. We start with with get-to-know-you. We start with an assessment. We start with building trust and rapport. And some of that has to do with the conversation I have with them individually. Oftentimes, before we even meet, and I'll take them, take the person back to the conversation that they first have with me, Mike. When they say things like, uh, "I don't know if we're going to stay together, but I'm willing to give it a shot," you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Um, "I I love my spouse. I just don't know how to communicate more effectively." so i'll take you I'll take them back to that. Remember what you told me on the phone? You love that person. There's some good in them, right? Uh, remember when you told me on the phone you were willing to do the work? The systematic approach walks them through getting obviously building rapport, the skill building piece, and then strategy mode. We move into strategy. What do you need mm-hmm. to do to address some of these concerns and and we talk we use different You know, I kind of think outside the box when it comes to strategies. I'll kind of do things on the fly sometimes to kind of tap into making that that session individualized, you know, because um, it's systematic in the approach, but, man, there's complexities and, you know, nuance in every situation. So it's not always a one-size-fits-all, but the practicals and the principles, you know, remain the same.
1: Mm. Wow. And somehow you have to tear away all of these layers to get back to, the core, which is the bond, that thing that first brought those folks together uh, that's and right. then that's began right. to build that up again. And uh, I, I right. thought that was brilliant. And I'll I'll yeah. What was
2: that, Mike?
1: I just thought that was brilliant. When I read that, you know, it was just, you know, it was just a lot went off in my head. You know, because sometimes I'm reading through here and I'm seeing all the things that have happened in my life. Yeah. And um, a lot of them are outlined in the things I've done Well, and as well as the ones that I've done wrong. So um, it was good to see them both. And it helps a person to understand, too, that, yeah, I'm doing some of the things right. But maybe there's some things that are really important that I'm missing or I just need to work on. And once I get that together, you know, the package will be complete and we can all get there. And I think we all can get there to believe that. Yeah.
2: That's right. And and the importance, Mike, uh, we talk about setting pride aside, the the couple or the individual who says, you know what, we need help. And guess what happens when oftentimes we say we need help and you reach out? It's there for you. And uh, you talk about personal things. And I've even shared some some personal things in the book myself uh, of how this is a, how this beautiful challenge, you know, is a journey. I know I can certainly, you know, look back, uh, in my own personal life and and look at times where I've dropped the ball or I needed to change and grow it. Like I'm, I'm still doing, that's the gymnasium part. When, and when I think when clients see, Hey, look, I got my own marriage. I'm still trying to work out, you know, to be transparent enough, you know, not to make it my reality show, but to to help individuals see, Hey, look, you know, uh, well, I I was taught this in graduate school, Mike, every counselor needs a counselor, right? Who do I go to? You know, right. you hear it all, you know, you maybe you heard it said, every pastor needs a pastor. That accountability piece to say, hey, look, we all can learn, we all can grow. Um, taking two different people from two different upbringings, different personalities, and try to make this thing work within a marriage or within a relationship, I call that a beautiful challenge.
1: Right. Right. You know, it's yeah.
2: it's, it's a challenge. But, man, when you do it right, how rewarding and how, how beautiful it is.
1: Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, because they say opposites attract, and it's really more that each person complements the other and they're better together than apart. And um, And those pieces are different, but they can work together and fit together. But you just have to, you know, turn some things around until those sides meet up the way they should. And yeah. um, I've always looked at my relationship like that because mm-hmm. my wife and I were very, very different people. But I really understand um, why God put us together, because um, as a team, we're, we're just amazing. Um, yeah. And um, I, I wouldn't be who I am without her. So it, it's interesting when you really reflect on that and look at who you can be when your partner is your, your um your your teammate that you guys are working together on the goals to achieve what you would want in your life um you can get there a lot faster and you can find that peace and harmony in your household that you've been looking for
2: that's right and in relationships all the ultimate team sport and you know (laughs) god said it really is and god said you know it's not good that man should be alone and when he when, when god allow god allows us to partner with someone you know, uh, in a marital context, there is that compliment there. And you recognize this person, you know, strengthens the team. And I have to start using my words. My words need to line up with that, Mm -hmm. you know. So when I'm, you show me a person that's constantly down-talking or belittling their spouse, in many ways, Mike, that tells me more about them than the spouse.
0: Yes, yeah.
2: You know what I mean? And I'm not right. saying we don't have issues. I'm not saying that other person hasn't done things, but our words I think need to line up with where we're heading, not necessarily where things are. It was interesting preparing for our conversation tonight. Mike, I I came across something I wrote uh some while back preparing for a Bible study. And I came across something that I had jotted down and I was thinking about, you remember the uh the Chilean miners? Yeah. Back in 2010 who were who were who got stuck in the in the mine in Chile.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I had written something down about that, and I, it stood out to me. I wanted to share you know, what you're listening to us today. And, and it was how they got through that long stint, all 33 miners, how they got through being in that mine, uh, with, not knowing whether they'd be rescued. And I, I remember something from that time of how the supervisor and the leaders kept those men occupied kept them positive and kept them prayerful you know to think to be stuck in a hole but to be declaring where what the the, to be declaring the success that they believed was tremendous in other words seeing things how it was going to be not necessarily how they are so maybe someone's in a relationship right now that's struggling i challenge you to start let your words line up with where you're heading start speaking positivity into that spouse. Start speaking encouragement to that spouse. Uh, it really goes back to, in many ways, to me, an issue of power and control. You know, how much, what can I control? I can't control how someone else treats me. But I also believe to reaction, there's a reaction. It takes two people to argue. So if I'm encouraging with my words, if I'm investing in their love language, if I'm striving to make them better, I just think things are going to get better because I'm investing. And to have our words line up with where we're heading is so important. Speak life, if you will.
1: Hmm. That's awesome. Man. And,
2: and that's not being naive to the reality. You know, um, being a counselor, for me, you know, there's a brutal reality to it. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's, yes, there's an encouragement piece I have to bring, but, you know, there's issues that need to be worked through. And maybe someone tonight is really dealing with an issue relationally, and they're trying to figure out, how do I even, how do I, even, where do I even start? And I'll share a conversation with you I had to even this afternoon in the shop where Barbara was sharing with me, you know, he, he he shall remain nameless, of course. But uh, he was just sharing with me some issues he was having with co-parenting. Maybe that's something we can talk a little bit about too, Mike.
0: The parenting yeah, piece yeah. of it
2: is uh, he was sharing with me some difficulties he was having with his baby's mother. He's re, he's remarried, but he's was challenged in trying to come to some type of agreement so he could get along better with her to you know see his son. And he was he said, I man I just want to share it with you this afternoon. He just opened up and shared some, and I, I just shared with him. You know, it was like he was asking me to, he was kind of asking for permission in a way to kind of say he could be done with her. And I Mm. challenged him on this principle of, in many ways, you don't get to be done with your baby's mother. Yeah. You're still connected. You will be. So now you need to figure out what do you need to do, right? Uh, Now, that doesn't mean everything's going to be kumbaya. That doesn't mean, you know, you and her are going to be on great speaking terms. What it does mean is, your child will be able to say, you taught him how to handle a tough situation. Because our children are watching us, Mike. They're watching us right. as we handle or mishandle situations.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And sometimes we can come back to that child when we've mishandled it, I personally speaking here, and say, you know what, I dropped the ball. Dad messed up on this one. And even say, I'm sorry. So I'd say the key to resilient relationships, key to co-parenting success is the willingness to be transparent enough to say, i dropped the ball. I'm willing to be open and honest about how I feel. And I'm willing to work towards a peaceable solution.
1: And you have to realize, too, that all you can do is make a firm decision on who you want to be in the situation. Yeah. Um, That's right. Without that we wanting can control. Yeah, without wanting to control the other person or have them respond to who you are. You, right. you have to be satisfied with the changes you make for yourself. Not right. that you would receive any accolades for it or a response from a person, but you have to decide for yourself this is who you want to be and who you will be no matter what.
2: That's right. And that's a big
1: second
0: component of
2: the book, Mike. That's, that's work mm-hmm. and it takes skill and you think about peace negotiators, you think Mm -hmm. about people who mediate for a living, you think about people who lead for a living and have to constantly compromise. And, you know, in the backdrop of so much of what's going on right now within our country, where we see oftentimes an unwillingness to compromise, I think we need to be reminded that maybe we're not as divided as a nation as some people are peddling it to be. Mm -hmm. Maybe certain facets are, maybe you know, elected officials are uh, oftentimes divided. But every day people go up, go to work and they have to work out budgets, right, and, and, and figure out solutions for their business to grow or parent-teacher conferences, have to sort things out for the children. It's happening every day. We need to highlight those who do it and do it well and ask them, what are you doing to get such success? And we tried to highlight some of these principles, Mike, from um, – thousands of hours I've had now through the years of counseling experience and ministry experience and saying, how do we get to a place where our relationships can improve and we can grow personally?
1: Mm. Absolutely. So are are, are there any... um bad habits that we need to change as far as maybe some of the things that are outside of just ourselves, maybe some of our activities and things like that that we should really look at differently that may be um, not necessarily um, reinforcing bad behavior, but a practice that um, allows us to be in a situation where we could um, respond ineffectively.
2: Yeah, I I think – there's some tangled webs that we weave, Mike, that I think is important to deal with. One of them being, you know, avoiding faulty narratives, where we hmm. create storylines in our own mind about how things are. Kind of a oh. rush to judgment, if you will. You know what I yeah,
0: mean? Yeah, yeah. Right.
2: You've been, you been in a miscommunication or a situation with somebody, and you go back, and you, in your own mind, you've got it all worked out, right, of where we went wrong and where things went wrong. Sometimes those narratives are faulty and they Mm. need to be communicated because sometimes what it does is it creates a a mindset of, well, they're wrong. I'm right, which means I don't need to change. So I'd say be willing to have your narrative questioned, Mm. Mm. you know, be willing to say, well, maybe I'm looking at this thing wrong. Another one is unrealistic expectations. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, Mike,
2: it's hard to be disappointed when your expectations are pretty accurate, right? You know,
1: there you go.
2: But if I, I believe in high expectations, but I believe in realistic mm-hmm. expectations. Some folks sure. think, you know, this other person is going to complete me, and you know, we're not going to have any problems. We're 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 perfect together. Well, you know, maybe that's a little unrealistic. So I'd say, you know, setting realistic goals, recognizing that we all are works in progress can kind of help us get over, you know, when, when our expectations are let down. Another one I'd say is avoidance. Let's face it, sometimes the tough conversations we just don't want to have because it can create a lot of negative emotion or pain. Uh, but I'm, I'm persuaded, Mike, one of the most meaningful things we need to do in life are often the most difficult. The problems we're willing to face down and deal with directly goes a long way. Another one to avoid is scapegoating. You
0: know. Mm-hmm.
2: Playing the blame game. Instead of, right. you know, owning your own stuff and, and working right. toward a solution. And lastly, faulty thinking. Faulty thinking ties into what we talked about earlier, this whole idea of challenging my own narrative. And and a lot of this in many ways I think speaks to power and control. You know, mm-hmm. What do I have the ability to to control? Uh, Now, we know power and control in in and of itself, I don't think, are negative terms. I think we all want to have freedom and the autonomy to make choices for our lives that are going to produce positive outcomes. But I'm talking about power and control when it goes too far, where you find yourself in a relationship where someone's exerting too much of their will over yours or vice versa. That's a recipe for disaster in many ways. That's where you see... Mm -hmm. Toxic relationships and think about it from what's going on right now Mike that we see in the media with the me-too movement You know where certain individuals have exerted their power and control over another individual for their own personal pleasure Mm. getting to the heart of those issues and we talk about this extensively in the book of How do you? Find a healthy balance when it comes to that because we know an unhealthy balance what that leads to. And we see a lot of that, you know, even being shown right now in the news and what we're dealing with in
1: our country. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um and, and that's important too because if you're aware of these things and you ask the right questions, well, you'll know how to formulate the questions if you're aware also. And you won't allow these things to get to the point where you're on this slippery slope and, and things out of control. By the time you go to seek help, you're in a situation that could. Um, that could continue whether or not you're the one who's working effectively against resolving it or not. If the other person isn't, and the other person has an ulterior motive, um, you could be left in jeopardy.
2: You you touch on a key word, awareness. And mm-hmm. in chapter six, we talk about you know different stages of recovery. Of we've talked about how do you communicate effectively. We talked about resilient relationships. We talked about co-parenting success. But what happens, Mike, when maybe that partner or that spouse or that child has broken trust and there's mm-hmm. a serious uh disconnect there.
1: Right. In this
2: chapter we talk about we walk people through the six stages of recovery, one being awareness, the next the processing phase, forgiveness, healing, and then moving forward. Awareness, understanding what the real problem is processing stage can be one of the most difficult the whole idea of you know how do i wrap my mind around this situation maybe someone has been you know uh maybe someone has been walked out on or they've gotten a pink slip and and you're trying to make sense out of something that doesn't make sense or you've been uh maybe a child who's been abused i encourage people to read this book and to walk through those six stages of recovery and and Ultimately, that's going to lead to healing, forgiveness, and empower us to move forward.
1: Wow. You know, I I want to go back to something you said at the beginning when you first started talking about this. It really got my attention. And um, you were just saying so many other good things afterwards. I didn't address it, but, um, you know, some of us who have, emotional intelligence. We we gotta um really check ourselves as well because you know, just because you tried to see things from the other person's perspective or point of view, it doesn't mean that you did. It meant that you tried. That's good. Yeah, and, and uh yeah. and if you if you all of a sudden <laughs> initiate a conversation with thinking that you've got it all figured out on something very touchy, yeah that right. that thing can go down the drain very quickly.
2: And the key to that, I think, in many ways, is humility. Yeah. The person who's willing to come into the conversation and say, maybe I don't have all the answers.
0: Mm-hmm. Or there's more
2: information that I need to get. So what I'm going to do is show my emotional intelligence by reserving judgment.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe, it, maybe it, you know, the person who... Well, think about it from a court of law. And I use this example sometimes working with with couples... Uh, what type of judge do you want presiding over your court case? One that's quick, that has a quick trigger, or one that's quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I want a thoughtful judge, Mike. I don't know about you, right? I, I want the right. judge who says, you know, mm. when it gets down to the end, it says, has all the evidence been given, right? Are you done? The person who sits back before they weigh in, because think about it, when the judge weighs in, that's it. The weight of their judgment is tremendous, so they want to get all the facts. Why does that Mm. translate into our personal relationships, on the job? Get the facts. Reserve judgment. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Biblical principles. And to me, Mike, that's why I love the Bible so much. It's just so practical, right? You know, even Absolutely. if folks say, can, you know, the, the practicality of it—if people will take the mm-hmm. practicality of the Word of God and apply it—I think it's just so tremendous. So, these 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 principles, in many ways, I think translate into so many areas of life, and that's why um, I appreciate conversations like this uh, because through this platform, Mike, you're, you're flooding the airways with positivity. And oftentimes, you know, uh, the willingness to do that and not necessarily know how it's going to play out goes a long way. So I just wanted to commend you for that and and commend you for having these type conversations.
1: I thank you, Mike, and um, I thank you because um, you are a thought leader in this area. And, um, you know, this book – I can't wait to start sharing it. I told a lot of people, yeah, I'll let you read it, but no, uh, i got to <laughs> hold on to it for just a little while longer. But um, yeah, Tell them to go and buy it on Amazon open, 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 open.
2: or on my website. So oh, <laughs> they yeah, get their own copy. I'm
1: pushing that as well. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, yeah, tell them where you can get the book, and I'm talking about my personal distribution. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely, Mike. <laughs> they can go on Amazon for the e-book. Just type in a beautiful challenge with my name. Uh, it should pop up right there, and they can get the ebook there, or you can get your, your paper copy from going onto my website, brownsleadership.com, and you can pay there electronically, and we'll get it sent out to them real quick. So that's on Amazon. You can type in the name of the book, it's my name along with it, uh, or they can go onto my website, brownsleadership.com, and we'll be excited to get them a copy.
1: And do they put in Michael T. Brown or Michael Brown?
2: On uh, Amazon? They can put the yeah. the whole name. If they want the, the ISBN number, I can give that as well. They can type that in on Amazon and it should appear. That's nine seven eight zero five seven eight two hundred seventy four
1: dash three. Okay, give that to them again.
2: One more time. Nine seven eight zero five seven eight two hundred seventy
1: four dash three. Okay, great. And um, so, Mike, this book has just been released. Um, it's fresh. <laughs> and uh, the concept or, is is really, um, it, it's just a sign of the times. And it's um, very relevant to today. And especially where um, we're going as a society as far as our communication based on these new um, interactions that have sort of taken over intimate conversations. So. I want to thank you for um, really writing this book, Mike. Um, and um, so, you know, was it just the wealth of knowledge that you had gathered from your, your counseling that made you write this book or what, what really inspired you to really put out this, um, this manual for communication?
2: Well, thanks for your kind words, Mike. And um, it's, I would say, I felt led to write this uh, mm-hmm. after again, thousands of hours counseling individuals, um, uh, Working as a home-based counselor, now in private practice, uh, ministry experience, uh, being a husband, a father, life experience, in many ways, it was something in me that I got to get out. I just believe so strongly that when people are given inspiration, encouragement, and the skills that they need to communicate more effectively, it just clicks, Mike. You know, Mm -hmm. it just clicks. And this is... My way of compiling some of the things we've learned, uh, some of the things I've learned, often life lessons, um, ups and downs, and the counseling experience just culminated in this book. And um, I wanted it to be very practical yet inspirational, um, not a very long read, but I, I wanted to, to use every line, every sentence to, to to be meaningful and powerful to people. And um, we're getting good feedback about it, and uh, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, And so, Mike, are you going to be doing any um, book signings, or are you going to be doing any speaking engagements in the near future as well?
2: I hope to. Some of those things we're working on now and lining up, uh, the people who are listening can certainly, you know, reach out to me. If they um, want to connect, Uh, they can – my Twitter handle, at mtbrown 98 uh, they can go to my website and find learn more about ways to contact me at there dot com so yeah mike uh, I believe we've got some some good things in the woodwork and um I just want to connect with your listeners out there and um and just make you know make this movement uh just more powerful
1: yeah, well, that's awesome mike and um you know i um I just wanted to let people know um not only ha- are you um a counselor, um, a relationship specialist, as well as a communications guru. Um, you're also a former radio talk show host as well. I
2: learned from the best. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
1: you know, when I put your name in all of this stuff came up, so uh, I just thought I'd throw this out there.
0: It's the Brown bag. you took me back on
1: that one. Oh yeah <laughs> i love it i love it yeah yeah i was just sitting here man i gonna put your name in and just everything connected to you we've done so many shows together and uh it's just good to have you back on again look forward to doing this again in the near future and uh, of course i i wish you much much success in this new book but i, I think it's just going to take off mike um like wildfire because it's just so needed. Um, once this gets into the hands of people and people start talking about it, I, I think it's going to be your um, your best book ever.
2: Mike, I appreciate that. I appreciate the encouragement and the kind words. And uh, hey, I just want to acknowledge you, your 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 class act and um, just want to acknowledge your compu- your contribution to humanity, man. And just uh, how you're empowering and inspiring people. And uh, I just thank you for this opportunity.
1: All right, Mike. Well, thank you very much, and we look forward to hearing from you in the near future, and um, you guys need to get connected to Michael Brown on Facebook. Go to his website and um, reach out to him, Um, and um, check out Brown's leadership. I'm sure there are ways that if you need counseling that you can go ahead and connect with him and find a way to, you know, be able to work towards a better relationship in your marriage and your family or whatever it is that you need to um, really focus on right now, and you know what you need to focus on. Thank you, Mike. All right, Mike. I'm Michael Fordham, and you have been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words.
0: Thank you.